All right, cool. Well, we're good to go then. Thanks for joining me, James. We're just going to have a very casual conversation in this episode. I think um, I like awesome. doing episodes that way, honestly, and uh, no real structure or list of questions or anything, but I just want to talk about like masculinity in our modern culture and um, where we're going wrong when you look at like the average American teenage guy um, in any atmosphere, public school, or even the church. Uh, just any of that so i guess i'll start with like what are we doing wrong dude <laughs> what are we doing wrong dude that is such a that is such a loaded question it's such a like probably the most important question right now that we can't seem to answer i know because there's so there it just seems like every day i come across more videos more people on social media that i'm just like what are you doing with your life like get it together, get to work, start doing something important, but no, you're just lollygagging around. And I know for me, the education system is where we've faltered and we have just so deeply ingrained apathy and like a dependency on your school system and on the system, whatever you want to label that as, but we've just totally eradicated like self, um, self-dependency or independency. So I don't know, where do you see like the main avenue of just childish behavior coming from? Honestly, I, I see it in, and this is not to criticize any parents, but I see it in the lack of discipline uh, starting from a very young age that we can witness firsthand or you can hear accounts of. Um, I, I know for a fact that I'm one of the only people that I know in my community that was spanked as a kid. Uh, a lot of people were never spanked and I was spanked a lot. <laughs> I was taught from a very young age that you will follow the rules because this is not your house and we are your mother and father and we are not here to hurt you. We're here for your betterment and you just need to listen. And you know, when I'd mess up, I'd, I'd get the wooden spoon and I learned quick. I learned quick. It, it was a very quick learning curve. And then even from there on out, there was an expectation of me to act in such a way that was above reproach. And that comes from being from a Christian family, which is a big bonus. Having a Marine as a dad is also an added bonus that, you know, there's that the requirement. Oh yeah, yeah. The requirement to act above reproach, not to be average, not to be content with being average at anything that I would do in life and my parents my parents thing with me especially because i'm an athlete was you're you're not gonna do anything halfway if you're gonna commit to a sport you're gonna commit to that sport and while you're playing that sport that would be 100 percent commitment and you know that that was eighth grade i played three sport four sports i would run cross country and play soccer play basketball and play baseball and i remember one day i just got done with soccer practice had cross country practice and was like, I really don't want to run three miles. So I went and read a book in study hall instead. And once my mom found out, she called my coach, asked how far that we had ran, gave me her phone and said, don't come back until this says three miles. And so uh, that, that, was, that was my punishment, was getting the work done that I needed to get done, that I was required to get done, that I was expected to get done. Um, and even something like that is discipline. It's teaching your kid discipline and not necessarily disciplining them but teaching your kid discipline and i don't see that i don't see that at all there's no requirement 
in today's culture from parents to their children on, on a wide scale basis um, of expectation. I, I see kids skipping school all the time and parents are totally okay with it. <laughs> I know. Yeah, the, I'm the same as you. I got the wooden spoon whenever I got in trouble, but it just seems like the at the core of it, we've lost a, a, like a love for discipline. And this is what I see from my dad, from my parents and my mentors and stuff. There's a, there's a love, there's an admiration for being a disciplined person, being a man of, of manners and integrity and honor. And it's like, we've culturally lost a desire for those things. And I think that goes to the deeper issue of just, you know, the culture and the world versus God. And there's that whole spiritual warfare and the devils in all of it and everything. But so fundamentally we know that's where it's coming from, but culturally, I think that's a huge, um, the church is to blame for a huge part of that because the church has become soft and we've, we've, you know, we always talk about like watering down the gospel and everything, but let's, let's, let's get a little bit specific here. Like not just in terms of watering down the gospel, but how have we, changed the perspective of a godly man a biblical man you know like it's hard to describe it it's hard to put into words and every time i try to i kind of change it a little bit mm-hmm. i mean like what do you uh, what do you have to think about that i'm actually so glad you asked that question because i've i've been itching to just you know almost go off in a sense on that subject because it's been so frustrating to witness um i think as I see on social media, the biggest the biggest thing I see on social media is, you know, Christianity is taking this turn that I think in a turn, like using the word progression in a good way. I think Christianity is taking a good route of progression or was for a little bit where it was, hey, like we can't just ostracize those who struggle with homosexuality. We can't just ostracize those who have sexual sin in their past who are struggling with it currently. I think we are going down a really good route. And then, you know, people who don't want to be sanctified, people who don't want to live by the expectation of righteousness, people who being set apart is something that seems like a chore to them, took it a little too far. And now we see a bunch of little boys running around in the church who are painting their fingernails and trying to show us how confident they are in their manhood by shoving it down our throats that we need to accept what they want to do because in their eyes it's it should be accepted that we have no right to judge. We have no place to judge. Um, and it's been very frustrating for me because when you look at a man biblically in every single outlook we have from the Old Testament, from Genesis 1-1 to Revelation, right? Every single display of a man is someone who is not this loud, rowdy, super like out there. I need you to hear my voice just because it's my voice type person. They're more so, I want you to hear my voice if my voice is being directed by God. And other than that, they lay low in the shadows. They do their work. They get their work done. They put their head down and work. Uh, I mean, you look at King David, for instance. King David was that guy who was, he was big, man. He could have puffed his chest out over everybody he met. And instead, we find David weeping. Lord, how will you ever let me into the gates of heaven? I'm not worthy. How will I ever be cleansed of this blood on my hands? And he gets told, look, like, it's not because of you. Like, David straight up gets told, like, you're not good enough. You've made the mistakes, but you fall under God's grace. And, you know, something I think 
that kind of is going to sound weird is humility is a dying trait today in men, which absolutely gets exposed. I think in the church, not so much in the way that people think it would. It's not, I don't see a ton of guys running around super arrogant with their knowledge of the word, with everything they've learned. You know, of course, there's going to be those people out there and you're going to have those conversations where it feels like you're talking to a wall. But I see the humility dying in those who feel the need to force acceptance upon other people because they there's this, I and mean, I'm willing to put my life on it, there's this nudge in their heart that something's off, that it's not right, and they want that to go away. So the more people that say, hey, I support you, I, I accept whatever you're doing is is what they need to do and that, that's pride that's hardening your heart towards conviction that's setting place i think it's both this which sounds so counterintuitive with the way manhood is typically defined but i think it's pride and effeminity Effem- i don't even know if that's a word effeminity in our culture mixed with pride and in males in men specifically or those who are supposed to be men and Paul states it so clearly that I became a man when I put away childish things, right? And so I think a big key point in that is understanding that there's you are never going to be a final product as a man because there will always be things in your life that you need to give over to the Lord to say, hey, you need to take care of this because I cannot do it in my own strength. But our culture has taken this taken that and kind of remapped it into what they wanted to say. And it's like, I've become a man once I put away the things that I think are childish. And, you know, that's not God's word. And it's just a little change. But then we see a bunch of little boys right now running around with the masks of men on their face. And it's hurting the church. Yeah, and and just going off that, putting away childish things, um, if you've talked to any non-believer or even a lot of Christians today, they'll think that is literally talking about like certain toys or just the things you do as a child. But um, in reality, it's talking about like your state of heart as a child for mm-hmm. 99% of children is selfish. It's very self-centered when you're a child, life is all about you. And that's why you throw fits and everything. And that's why you have to discipline them and work that out of them. Um, but how do we... I don't know. How do we get it across to people that it's not, it's less about um, the things you do as a child and more about changing your, your, your state of heart. Because Mm -hmm. when Paul says I put away childish things, I think he's more so saying I put away my selfishness like a child does. Mm -hmm. And, and like you said, the culture today now makes that look like, um, or what'd you just say a second ago? You said something like the culture has changed that to where putting away childish things is whatever I deem is childish behavior, yeah. but that's, that's not biblical. Um, we're called to be selfless. Um, we're called to put away our pride. And so putting away childish things would be moving away from a self-centered gospel or how, however we say that mm-hmm. and moving more towards a Christ-centered gospel. Um, so man, I just don't know how to like get that into people's skulls. Cause every time I talk to people about that, um, they're just so far down that rabbit hole that it's hard to change their reality, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, no, 100%. And it's the hardest thing. And I think the best spot to start that I've realized in recent months, really, really recent, is that 
I'm never going to change anybody. And that's just how it is. The Holy Spirit's going to change people. And I just need to make sure that my mouth is speaking what he guides and what he directs and the ways in which I'm acting around them are what he guides and he directs. Um, I, I think something that is not understood in our culture, which is so sad and it's hard to watch is serving somebody else is the greatest joy. It brings you the greatest joy. It's greater than being served yourself. Serving somebody else is the greatest joy. And we are called to be selflessly serving. We're called to be selfless servant leaders as men. That is what we're called to be. We're called to put others before ourselves in all times and others' needs before our own needs, others' wants before our own wants. And in that is where we find true true joy because we are doing exactly as Christ called us to do. And that's loving people as he loved the church. And it's something that gets totally lost, totally lost, because you're right. This culture is so inwardly focused. They're so focused on themselves. And it's it's really, really hard to see because I know how many people are out there putting on a false bravado of manhood and toughness and masculinity. And in reality, they're just broken and bleeding. And the joy that they crave does not come from more self-service. It comes from service of others. And getting that into somebody's head is really, really, really hard. Yeah. And when you say they're putting on some fake facade of masculinity, do you like describe that for me? Do you mean they're just acting like the tough guy when in reality they're broken inside? Or what do you what do you define a masculine man as? Yeah, um, honestly, my ver- my opinion and definition of masculinity in this past year has shifted a lot from what I thought it was. Um, but I, I think those that are displaying a false bravado, you will never ever see a moment of vulnerability out of them um, in any way, shape, and form. There will be no, uh, within the Christian community specifically, there will be no acceptance of any form of correction. Um, and you know, and I understand some corrections full of meat with a little bone, and some of it's full of a ton of bone with a little bit of meat, and you got to spit out all the bone. But it there's no acceptance of correction and overall the biggest thing i see is if you think somebody has it all together and by the by their posts by the way they live their life and that immediately throws a red flag in my head if if somebody's putting on a display that i have it all together i'm not stressed i'm not anxious i'm not depressed i and perfectly content and perfectly happy that's not reality and that's not reality on this earth and that's something that immediately throws up a flag in my head is there's this desire and need in our hearts as men that is ladies i'm sorry but it is designed for men to lead to be an example to be in a sense the head there figure are ladies listen to my podcast anyways so. okay well then they won't get offended <laughs> But that, that desire is there to, to lead, to be the front figure in something, to be the one that steps across the line first. So uh, that's what I always look for, someone who's going to put off like they have it all together. And, I mean, if you want to poke and prod, you just you just ask them how their heart is. And you'll get a super quick, oh, it's fine, it's fine, don't worry about it. And they'll try and change the, so- the topic real quick. And it's like, it's an immediate, now the red flag's not just standing up tall. It just got raised 50 feet in the air so everybody can see it. Um, so you don't associate masculinity at all to basic things like physical strength, capability, your ability to, uh, 
lead defend um, in the physical sense? This is, this is a huge argument within, you know, the Christian community yeah. is what makes masculinity within men specifically. Um, I have certain opinions on that, but I want to hear what, you, what your thoughts are. Yeah, no, 100%. I believe it's a part of masculinity, but it's not going to be the first thing I look for because in my mind, I'm more worried about a man's heart than I am everything else. Once the heart's in check, we can worry about everything else. We are called as men to be shepherds, and that means protecting the flock, defending the flock. You hear story after story of shepherds killing lions and wolves with their bare hands. And, you know, in in today's time, we don't necessarily have to worry about lions and wolves killing our sheep. We've got to worry about wolves in sheep's clothing behind the altar, sitting in the pews. We've got to worry about lions that are sitting across the seas waiting to take the life of any Christian sitting on our homeland. And I firmly believe that a man should be ready and able at any and all times to protect and defend his home, his church, his people, and his flock 100%. In my mind, that is just secondary to his ability to submit before God. Hmm, That's good. So how do we win the judgment argument? Um, you know, you're not allowed to judge, bro. Don't judge lest you be judged or you're going to be judged with the same level that you judge. Mm-hmm. How the heck do we get into Christian people's minds that, yes, we are called to judge within the Christian community and we are called to judge righteously. And I am allowed to point out what you're doing wrong and point you back to truth if I have that under control myself. I think the passage about don't be pointing out a speck in your brother's eye while you have a log in your own is saying, get your crap together. And then you can start helping other people along the path and help them back to truth. But we are just so quick to throw that out. Don't judge lest you be judged. And it is just such a, I think that is a childish response. Honestly, it's so, it's just so it lacks biblical uh, literacy and knowledge. Um, And it's just, it's not Christ-like. Oh, at all at all it's not christ-like at all and there's not many things that frustrate me more than when people say that yeah no i hear you i hear you on that one it is frustrating because i don't think people understand in today's time that my goal by correcting or pointing something out or reproving in whatever way shape or form that is is not just to be the bigger man it's not just to feel like the bigger man the better person in the situation it's legitimately out of love. And I think if people can stop decompartmentalizing love, correction, and love and righteous judgment, we'll get a big step forward because you, you look at you look at Jesus, right? And everybody, what's one of my favorite things is people love to say, don't judge us, you be judged. And they'll go, oh yeah, well, Jesus defended the prostitute. And it's like, absolutely, he defended the prostitute. He, he knelt down in the sand. And you know, there's a great theological argument as what he knelt down in the sand. How did he defend the prostitute who was not a believer? By righteously judging the believers, the believers all standing around her. He, there's a theory that he wrote in the sand, all he started writing out their sins list by list. And there's a theory that he said, he just put in the sand, where's the man? And you know, I love the theory that he started writing their sins out on the sand because it shows that righteous judgment has its place in the kingdom. It has its place in the eternal family. We see it when Jesus cracks the whip down in the temple as well. He didn't. He skipped the words at that point. He completely skipped the words. He just said, "No, this is this is iniquity in my house." And you know, I think we have to take pride 
not in the sense of literal pride, but we have to take heart more so in and be proud of the fact that Jesus is our Savior. We are saved by his blood. And because of that, we are now set apart and we are called to be sanctified. We are called to be righteous. And that's something that Christians need to take more seriously in today's time. And I think that's completely thrown out. It's, it's, not, it's not a chore. It's really not. The process of sanctification is not a chore. It's growth. It's growth as a human being. And, you know, it always circles back to selfish. Like, it'll always circle back to selfish. People, I want this. I want that. I want this pleasure. I want that pleasure. But, you know, judgment. Well, and it's like you said, we should have boldness in that because ultimately loving people is pointing them back to truth and um, looking at the life of Jesus. He was bold in doing that. And so if it's, if it's righteous and it's right to correct people in that they um, notice their faults and they uh, confess their sins, they repent, they turn back to truth. That's that, that is love. All of that encompasses love or love rather encompasses all of that. Mm-hmm. Instead of like you're saying, we compartmentalize things where we say certain things are love, certain things aren't. It's like, no, if you're doing everything the Bible is saying to doing, including correcting and all this, that is a part of love. And there's no, there's no getting around that. No. And it's so funny to me too, because do you think that God didn't love his people in the Old Testament? And I mean, you look at everything that, that's happened. We could, I could give you story after story. The most popular one is Job, right? Everybody's guaranteed to know Job's story. Did, did you think that God didn't love Job? Did you think that Job's friends who came to him and said, hey, you're in the wrong because God wouldn't be doing this to you. And in a sense, they were right. Even though they were wrong in their approach, they were right because God was not doing that to Job. God just said, okay, devil, do your worst. And God allowed the devil free reign. But do you think that God didn't love Job while he was allowing him to go under the process of sanctification, which was a burning furnace of life hitting the fan, right? And then his friends coming in. If his friends didn't love him, they would have let him suffer on his own. But they loved Job enough to come say, hey, this is what I think it is. Were they wrong? Absolutely. They were wrong in what they were saying. Job was none of the things that they were saying. But they loved him enough to try to do something to help. And when we correct people, when we are righteously judging, right, I think there immediately needs to be a guard let down because it's like this person loves me enough to be willing to risk how I view them, how people view them to tell me something they think is going to separate me from my walk with Christ. And I think if we can start looking at that as like, that is the ultimate love we can be shown, especially in 2020 with progressive Christianity is someone willing to step out of their line and into yours and say, Hey, the paths that way and i i think we need to understand that it it is love that's what love is right there and like you said it love encompasses all of that and I, i can't think of a way to word it the right way but that's what loving your neighbor as yourself is and i'd hope in the same way that like i'd hope if i was out of line you were like hey boom quick little slap in the face redirection 
in the same way that I know you would hope if I saw something, I would say it to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, even if you, if, if you're getting corrected, you should be accepting what, not accepting, but you should not ever, in my opinion, push back on someone's correction out of pride or whatever. If somebody corrects you and even if they're wrong, tell them, Hey, thanks. All right. I'll take that to consideration. I'll take it to prayer. I appreciate you holding me accountable. We're all good there, but there should never, it just seems like there should never be any rejection of correction and some, and then whenever it's correct and they're right, you accept it and you fix it and you move on. And even if they're wrong, you still thank them for having the heart and the love to want to try to correct you and get you back on the path. Um, and I think a huge part of that too, is people just being, uh, too offended and too, uh, sensitive. Honestly, I, I actually did a whole episode on that in my, one of my earlier podcasts, but I don't know how to fix that. And, and honestly, I catch myself, uh, wrongly just wanting to bark down people's throats, stop getting freaking offended. Mm Um, I mean, how have you, how do you work with that? How do you um, not have a spirit of sensitivity or do you battle that at all? I'm sure you do. You're human, but how do you work yeah. with that? <laughs> yeah. You know, um, honestly, the spirit of sensitivity, I struggled with a ton growing up. Like I was the most sensitive person in the world. And then, you know, a switch flipped in my head in ninth grade. And it was one of those things where I know who God says I am. I know what he says he feels about me that is factual. It is written in stone. My name is in the book of life. No one can take that away from me. Um, And that's when kind of my sensitivity turned off. And now it's, it's, I'm not going to lie, like in 2020, it's really, really easy for me not to be offended. And with everything going around in the world, I'm thankful for that because, you know, people are offended left and right. If you breathe the wrong way, someone gets offended in today's time. And I think things that are important to work on in that is understanding that I think especially in today's literally as we speak on November 11th, right? November 11th um, is you're not always right. Just because you have a little bit of scriptural backing to it still doesn't mean you're right. And if you can defend your argument, it still doesn't mean you're right. Those are great things to have. Continue to strengthen that and get more in-depth in that. But just because you've done your research still does not mean you're right. And, you know, we can look at tons of scenarios in, that are popular right now. You look at politics on both sides. And both, you, you don't think that Joe Biden and Donald Trump have done their extensive research and both think they're absolutely right. Does anybody doubt that Joe Biden thinks he's right with his approach? And I'm sure it's very researched. Does that mean he's right? Absolutely not. No. And it's it's one of those things that's kind of funny in today's time is everybody goes, okay, I did a little bit of research. Now I know. Like, I, I know. I know. And that's something. And then when somebody says, no, you actually don't know, it's like, whoa, whoa, you just crushed my sandcastle in, right in front of my face. And... I think that's been the biggest hindrance in taking steps forward as a church, taking steps forward as men uh, in today's time and taking steps forward away from sensitivity into being able to have walk around with essentially the armor of God on. And 
And that's going to be the toughest thing because the devil throws fiery darts. So you can put on whatever type of self-made shields you want, but nothing's going to stop those fiery darts from hitting your heart and sticking and burning a hole in them, except for the armor of God. And when you can walk around with that, you'll walk around with humility, you'll walk around with grace, and you'll walk around with love. And you'll also walk around with a sense of justice. You'll walk around with a sense of righteousness. There are other aspects to it sin will become detestable right and there's more to it than just the lovey-dovey huffy puffy stuff but that was for me the biggest thing was truly taking that into almost a literal sense is i'm going to strap on the armor of god and once you have that confidence in him and the confidence in his ability to protect you from those fiery darts i mean if the devil can throw fiery darts and they can't hit me because i've got the armor of god on what is 22-year-old Emily going to do because she has a different opinion than me and calls me a bunch of names? Like, absolutely nothing. So, nothing, man. Yeah, and that's a great way of putting it. It's, it, it honestly, it just comes down to like a fundamental difference. When you fundamentally understand the gospel and the power of Christ and salvation in you, it's just so easy to rise above all the petty insults of today. Um, but anyway... I know you got to go. I got to respect your time. So give us a quick little closing motivational elevator speech for guys to be masculine men. Go for it. Motivational elevator speech for guys. All right. Men, this is for you. Um, No, honestly, wake up each day. And when your feet hit the floor, man, immediately be looking towards God saying, what do you have for me today? Where can I grow today? What do you want to refine in me today? My mom told me this quote growing up all the time, and it's so cliche, but I love it. Be that type of Christian man that when your feet hit the floor, the devil goes crap, he's awake. And, you know, that comes by when your feet hit the floor, the first place you look is up. And the first thing your heart is set on is the Lord and his plans for you. Start your days fixated on what God has for you, whether that be refining, whether that be growth, whether that be a tough conviction, whether that be confession of sin. Whatever it is, if there's something poking at your heart, deal with it now. As soon as your feet hit the floor, deal with that immediately. Don't set it aside because setting it aside is just going to foster it. Let it grow. Let that fiery dart that's stuck in your heart burn more and more and more. Get that stuff out of the way as soon as your feet hit the floor. And be that man that when your feet hit the floor, the devil, the devil has to fear because you know, we have an eternal power inside of us. We have the spirit inside of us, the Holy Spirit, which is eternal. And the devil is merely the prince of this world that will come to an end. His time on this earth is going to run up. He has an expiration date. And if you have the spirit of God in you, you do not have an expiration date. And wake up every day with the power of the Holy Spirit inside of you. Put your confidence solely in that and nothing in that of you and nothing that you think you can do and look to God entirely and say, God, what do you have for me right here, right now? Send me. And that's it. Don't put it, don't put it to the side. Don't let it rest. Don't let it sit. Let your feet hit the floor and say, send me right now. Woo. Go off, man. <laughs> All right, James. Thank you, bro, for joining me. That was really, really fun. I'd love to have you back on sometime soon and we'll talk about tons more stuff. Um, but with that, guys, make sure to listen and share the podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and wherever you listen to podcasts. Um, spread the word because this is definitely a good message. You need to get out to as many young guys as we can. 
with that, thank y'all for listening. Oh, I forgot to mention, if you want to get some patriotic gear, go to defender-gear.com. Use code Reagan10 and get 10% off. They got some awesome stuff. So with that, thank y'all for listening. Share the podcast. We'll see you on the next one.